0: We don't need to apologize just for being present in the world as a human being. We don't have to apologize to have an opinion. Yeah. And that's what I think like when
1: we're communicating, it's like, oh, well, I was just, no. What you have to say is important. You bring value to the table just for being you and for your uniqueness and your opinions. And when we talk about like, how do you become more of this way? You surround yourself with people who are
0: more this way. You thought it, but we said it. I'm Alexis, a certified leadership and life coach. And
1: I'm Sam, a licensed therapist, and we consider ourselves mindset gurus. Perspectively Yours is our platform where we dive headfirst into conversations on topics that can make or break us. We speak to women about the things we often think, but don't say out loud, how we can shift our perspectives around them to build our resilience and normalize our experiences. This is for the woman who wants a full plate and a full cup without burning out.
0: We're bringing our expertise to the table to give you game-changing tips on how to shift your perspective. So let's spill the tea and get started.
1: Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Perspectively Yours.
0: Hello. How's it going?
1: Oh, it's going, you know. We're entering flu season, so we have a cold every other day. But yeah, you know,
0: other than that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we've been <laughs> sick since school started. So,
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. oh man, That's our first round of all of this. So, um, we're learning as we go, but oh, such a bummer.
0: Well, today we wanted to talk a bit about becoming our own best advocate.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a favorite topic of mine. So,
0: Here's what I'm thinking,
1: because I know that journey looks a little bit different for everybody. And if I had to sum up being your own best advocate, I would say how to get what you need for you and your family is really what it comes down to. And we were actually just having a conversation about the fact that we love working together because we're both very direct and to the point. So how do you become direct and to the point? How do you advocate for yourself? Alexis, what was what has that journey been like for you? Have you always been this way? Has been has it been something that has changed over time? Like how did that happen?
0: Um, I really lived as a people pleaser for most of my life. Um, and I can see glimpses into my childhood where I really tried to advocate for myself, but it wasn't you know, it wasn't well-received. And so I think I just learned to not do that because it would cause conflict all the time. So I really learned how to just like not say anything about my needs, not share what I actually wanted to the point of where I didn't even necessarily know what my needs were because I was so tuned out of what they might be until I became a parent So when I became a mom and really learning about all, you know, this interesting world of birth and because I'm also a bit of a recovering perfectionist, I was looking for, quote, the best way to give birth. And for, you know, for a lot of the spaces that I was in because of my background in nutrition, the best way to give birth, quote, was to have a natural um, or, like, an unmedicated vaginal delivery. And I wasn't willing to do that at home. So I knew I was going to be in a hospital setting. And I, so I knew that that was going to require some advocacy on my part because of just the way that certain things are set up. Um, like, I just knew that I would need to go into it prepared to say, I don't really want this. No, thank you, you know, things like that. Um, and I, I, I hired a doula to do that work for me because I thought I'm not good at this at all. Like I know what I I knew I was starting to know what I wanted, but I didn't know how to do that for myself. And I the thing is is that doulas can't do that for you. Like we can have conversations and they can help remind you while you're in that situation of what what we had talked about that we wanted, the like quote, plans, you know, birth plans are kind of silly because birth just kind of happens the way that it does. We can have preferences, but it's not like we can plan it out. But anyway, um, but they can't tell, you know, they can't tell your nurses and they can't tell your doctors. No, she doesn't want that. No, we're not going to do that. It ultimately comes down to the person who's birthing. That is their job. And so I was really nervous about that and specifically hired somebody to just do that for me. And she couldn't. But what was interesting was when I was in the midst of all that, I was actually advocating for myself just because it was like this innate thing happened inside of me of certain things that I knew I did not want. And I just wasn't going to listen to whatever they wanted me to do, which is so unlike me, because for me, that's like, it's a conflict producing thing to speak up for yourself. But I did it. And... It was really amazing to me to be able to have that like I just I was so tuned in to what what I knew that I wanted and what I needed and I I didn't feel like I even needed somebody else to be there for me to do that it just kind of happened and from that moment on was kind of a learning experience of being in situations with people or or exposing my kid to certain, you know, relationships that didn't feel very comfortable or safe for me. And um, being able to say, you know, we we need this for, for our family and our kids. And even though it's really uncomfortable for me, I've really learned over the last seven plus years of being a mom that I'm not going to get What I want for myself and for my family if I don't say anything. And so it's just been an ongoing process and learning of doing that and also changing my mindset around it, too, of the stories that I'm telling myself about what happens when you advocate for yourself, what happens when you set your boundaries. It doesn't mean they're going to be mad at me every time. And even if they are mad at me, that doesn't really doesn't really matter if I know that this is something that I need for myself and my family. Like, if you have feelings about it, that's okay for you to have feelings about it. And this is what ultimately I'm going to choose. So that's kind of what my journey has been like. And it's been interesting. It's still ongoing. There's still lots of opportunities for me to feel uncomfortable having to advocate when I, especially when I can kind of guess what the reaction is going to be. It can be tough when I know that it's not necessarily going to be well-received, but it's a practice of just doing it anyway.
1: Well, you have just given everybody the opportunity to shift their perspective and that wraps up today's
0: episode. (laughs) (laughs) In five minutes. (laughs) I
1: know, right? We're really about efficiency today. No, but seriously, that was that was like a major perspective shift, right? On what it means to be an advocate for yourself and what it doesn't mean. Um, And I honestly think that there are lots of mothers who would agree with that sentiment, that that change happened like the flip of a switch when they became a mom because they were put in a place of now feeling empowered. And that's really what it is, right? It's, It's feeling confident in yourself and in your choices. Mm-hmm. So, like being your best advocate, I feel like really gets summed up as self-trust, right? To have that self-trust in what you know to be reality, what you know to be truth, what you know to be necessary for yourself and for your family and the people you are advocating for, which typically would include your kids in this scenario. Um, what's interesting is that I, I think mine heightened as i've gotten older but i also think that it's kind of in my bones um i mean i was advocating for myself when i was like 6 years old like you told me i like no i'd be like well this is why you should let me do this like i was clearly meant to be a lawyer in another life like i would have told you five different ways you know what i wanted and why i wanted it but it was also very much encouraged and modeled in my household to have a voice. And I was given permission to feel confident in my voice and confident in myself and knowing that decisions were right for me rather than questioning them. What's interesting is that I think, you know, you still always are second guessing yourself at some point as you're getting older because you don't, you know, self-trust is built by proof and proof is that the decisions that you've made or needed to make have worked out well for you. So you're basically creating your proof that you do have a good sense of yourself and what you need. But, you know, I think when we cultivate that self trust and advocacy within our homes and with our kids, we are modeling for them. To trust in themselves, and is every decision going to go perfectly well? No. Is everything going to be the right decision? No. But it may be the right decision at the right time, based on the information that you have. And I think my self trust, and we talked about how, like when, like when we really learned how to shift our perspectives, like we go through tough times. And I, I talked about this in our first episode, and how that pivotal point in my life is when I learned that I needed to trust myself and my gut. That the decisions that I was making were for me, even if they didn't feel right in the moment, I knew in the long run that they were, and I think I just continued to flex that muscle so that I could continue to be clear on what I want. But I'll give you an example, like where that where that balance even comes in in motherhood, because I don't think it's I think it's also picking your battles, right? I think it's like advocating yourself, but knowing what to what to challenge and and where to let it slide. So I am. I say I'm scrunchy. Like I'm not like a crunchy mom. I'm not like, I'm clean ish. Like I I prefer clean, but if my kid eats goldfish and cheese, it's like, they're going to survive. Like Mm -hmm. it's not going to be the end of the world. Um, and my mom, I love her to pieces. If you're listening, mom, I love you so much. My mom always has a counter full full of sweets. It's like baked goods and cookies. And she's, she is Italian and so food is a way of love, but food and comfort food a lot of times go like hand in hand. Like she brings over dessert wherever she goes. She doesn't come empty-handed. It's just within her nature. And by no means does it, you know, is it a negative? And it's also like a little treat. So we were at we were at her house for dinner this past week and she was so excited to give Logan pudding. She's been busting my chops to give him pudding for like weeks. Well, you don't give him a little pudding. He doesn't get a little dessert. Now, if you know me, I have a very big sweet tooth and now you know where it comes from. Thanks, Doreen. Um, and I wouldn't change it, but I'm like, does my kid really need to be eating refined sugar at seven months old? But am I also gonna deprive him of pudding because it makes her happy and we only eat it every once in a while if we're like, when we go there for dinner? No. So I, I, I mean, I put up a slight fight, but I let him have some and some whipped cream when we called it a day. But I am still clear about the choices that I choose, the choices that I choose, the foods that I choose to have in my house that I can control on a more regular basis.
0: Nice. That is such a great example. And I really loved hearing how that self-trust and advocacy was cultivated at such a young age, because I think for most of us, that has not been the case. Uh, We are raised not to trust ourselves and grownups know best and you should be seen and not heard and all of these things. And I think a lot of us who are realizing- My grandma used to say that. Yeah. <laughs> it used to drive me crazy. <laughs> I used to tell her that was not appropriate anymore. <laughs> Talk
1: about being an advocate.
0: Yeah, no kidding. That's pretty huge with grandma. Oh man. But yeah, like that is something that's like really- Not something that is encouraged for most of us growing up. And so we've all, I think a lot of us in our age group did not experience that and have realized, wow, like this is something that you have to encourage and cultivate from a young age because we don't have it and we're needing to learn how to do it ourselves, which there's seems like there's a lot more of that happening, but it creates a conflict for ourselves with our children, where it's at least for me, I noticed this of like, I want my child to trust themselves and to advocate for themselves. And also an internal like pushback of what the heck is wrong with you? Like, why can't you just go with what we say and and do instead of constantly having to put up a fight? But really, when you look at when you shift your perspective on that of I'm helping my child to cultivate their own self-trust and their ability to advocate for themselves and really honoring that pushback on certain things, like what a perspective shift that is, too, instead of looking at it as like you just never (laughs) you're constantly fighting about everything and instead changing it to. You are learning how to advocate for yourself, and I'm letting you explore this skill for yourself so that when you're older, you can do it without it being such a huge issue.
1: So I think it is a constant internal conflict of safety too, right? Letting them advocate for themselves, but keeping them safe, but also Mm -hmm. guiding them. And so that's why nothing in this world is cut and dry, black and white. And you want to give them enough rope that they can make choices within a certain per set of parameters. Like for instance, like, you know, if something's going to harm them, is really not going to be a good decision. Like you don't say, okay, great. You're going to, you're going to learn from that. And sometimes hard lessons happen, but it depends, I think on each scenario. And I do think that giving kids choices, but I'll, I'm going to expand that. I don't even think it's just for kids, giving adults choices to really like think through from the beginning to end of the consequences rewards struggles what's going to be your best option and i do think that's where that resiliency piece comes in of being able to really feel empowered regardless of the outcome because you then feel responsible for the choice mm-hmm. right that you've you've played an active role in that and you know i think about um when i was in tough situations as a kid or um i got a grade on a, i'll give you another example i got a grade on a um report card for a science class in seventh grade. And I was like distraught about it. I mean, I'm also a recovering perfectionist. So being your own best advocate can come with even the perfectionism side of things and wanting things to look and feel a certain way. I got a B plus and I wanted my damn A minus. And my mom was like, okay, so go talk to your teacher. Now, a lot of parents would have said, oh, I'll go talk to the teacher for you. And my mom, I mean, I was at the age, if I was younger, it might've been you know a little bit different if my mom truly believed that, but she still, I would guarantee that she still would have had me speak to the teacher. I mean, it happened in fifth grade. I had a meltdown over my first B ever again in science, clearly not a strong suit here. And my mom and dad literally fought out who was going to tell me that I got a B, right? But And I didn't do this in fifth grade, but in seventh, I went to my teacher and I said, I think I deserve an A minus because my mom gave me the courage to do so. Because really the lesson here is that what I have to say is important, has value. And the decision I'm making and my reason behind it has value. And I think that when you are being your own best advocate, you have to do some of that pre-work before you can advocate for yourself to decide how do I approach this? What is the value in in me being able to say something, or am I just picking a fight too? Right, because like it can go the other end where I'm just going to be combative. But that's very different. Like being combative can happen when you just want to argue every point, when there's not necessarily that added value of what you're trying to achieve. So I think it becomes being you know weighing out what's important to you and why, and being able then to articulate that.
0: Yeah. And I think that point of my voice has value is like, that's something that you have to do work on for yourself to realize that your voice is valuable, that you matter. And what you have to say actually really matters and is important to be heard. And until you have accepted that and you've worked through, and it's an ongoing working through, but that you've worked through that Oh yeah, I actually matter. And what I have to say really matters and what my needs are really does matter. And so I can voice this. And it's not, it's not as though my voice is just crying into the abyss of I don't have any value at all. When you know internally that you are valuable, then you're able to show up and advocate for whatever it is that you need.
1: So on that note, what do you think makes it? difficult? Like what societal factors make it difficult? I'm going to say for women in general to advocate for themselves and their choices, because I do think this is more specific to women to feel empowered because I think men are socialized to just say what they want and what they need. And then when a woman has more of a, a masculine energy, it's kind of like pushed back on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that a lot of it is that women's voices don't matter. I think that as a society and as a culture, women's voices do not matter, um especially in certain spaces and we're taught to lessen our voices, to not be to not come across as combative. You know, like when we're constantly growing up with, like I was the bossy person growing up. I was always bossing everybody around. What I was really doing was project managing and seeing like these things need to be done and you are going to do this and you are going to do that. And like, that's how my brain works. And instead of it being portrayed as a really positive trait, because that really is a fantastic trait to have, to be able to see the needs that need to be met and meeting them at such a young age but it gets turned into such a negative thing when women are assertive and they are saying exactly what needs to be done. It's taken so negatively in our culture. Well, actually,
1: just to add to that too, I think that if we are going to be assertive, it's hyper important or height, what's the word I'm looking for? Like there's a we're hyper aware of how we need to deliver these messages Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that we're assertive, but we're not nasty. We're assertive, but we're not quote Like you said, bossy, or we're not bitchy or we're not dismissive. And yet I wonder how many people have told a man that he has to change his tone. And I'm sure that it has happened. I don't want to dismiss that. I mean, I tell my husband all the time. I'm like, uh, your tone, like change it. No, that's not how we speak. And as I'm saying it in that tone, so, yeah, <laughs> right? But I'm giving back what I'm getting. Yeah. But men aren't there it's not thought of. It's thought of as well. Well, they're empowered. Mm-hmm. But a woman is still supposed to be, you know, coming across as amenable or considerate.
0: Mm-hmm. Or
1: and I'm not saying that we shouldn't be those things. I think those should be a human trait, not a female trait and then it be celebrated for men to not have to consider those and they're just in an empowered position to do so. Yeah. So The how we even say it. And I'm assertive. I'm very assertive. Can I be aggressive? Absolutely. But are people going to call me more aggressive than they would a male?
0: Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, there's been so many memes and information being spread more recently about this, like looking at the differences, comparing the differences of, man, I wish I could remember what account it was because I saw it in a specific place. But, you know, like, The way that you could just simply say things as a man of like this particular thing needs to be done and like suggestions for women to say it so that you're not coming across as, you know, all these different ways. And I have really taken this on as a practice to not be apologizing for something that I am asking for or that I'm saying, just to specifically, especially and when I'm typing it out, not I'm really sorry, but or Um, like apologizing is a big one. Women are constantly apologizing just for existing and being humans. And I just refuse to do that anymore and finding any other way to say what I am saying in a considerate way without an apology attached to it. Because we don't need to apologize just for being present in the world as a human being. We don't have to apologize to have an opinion. Yeah, And that's what I think like when
1: we're communicating, it's like, oh, well, I was just, or I I wanted to just share or no, hello. Like what you have to say is important. You bring value to the table just for being you and for your uniqueness and your opinions. And when we talk about like, how do you become more of this way? you surround yourself with people who are more this way.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: that really like segues into the next thing that I really wanted to like talk about, which is how do you find a network of people that encourage and empower you to use your voice and and to be, you know, an advocate. And I will I will put a shameless plug here <laughs> that Beauty Counter is a really great way because the premise of Beauty Counter, right? The whole platform that we stand on is raising your voice. To say important things, and it is a collective voice of not all, but majority women who are demanding better. And when I say demanding, I say, I'm saying that because they we actually go to Congress to change laws. Like it's not just yelling at the top of our lungs. It is creating actionable change. And when you, when you immerse yourself in communities and beauty counter, yes, but others that others exist as well, brands and companies, or even finding friends along the way and podcasts who encourage one another to use their voice and then collectively can do that creates this, I don't know, it, it creates a sense of empowerment and lights a fire within me. And I think that's why I align so much with this brand, but you know, it's the same as when you move to a new neighborhood, like I did three years ago. how do you how do you build a network? You just have to put yourself out there and start asking the right questions or exposing yourself to new things. And I believe that you are absolutely the five people you spend the most time with. Mm-hmm. or, you know, and sometimes I've heard this like as a resource group. um like, and if you're going to be brainwashed by something, brainwash yourself right with the with the information that you're immersing yourself in. With things that empower you, right? That are giving you the confidence and say, "Go say that." Be around people who say, "Speak your mind." Like mm-hmm. if I could do, I do that on the on a daily with people, even in my full time job. And I think that you have to find those people.
0: Yeah, and they they will definitely. Uh, it will be clear if you're not in the right room with the mm-hmm. right people because they'll look at you sideways, like, "What are you even?" What are you doing? What are you saying? But I I have noticed that when you have decided to look for those people and you're purposefully putting yourself in situations where you are going to meet new people and you are willing to show up as your as you authentically instead of trying to like adjust to whatever's going on in the room, then you can find that sense of belonging. It might just be with one person, but then you can you know, you and that one person can go find other people together until you have formed that community where you can learn from each other on how to do this better and how to, like you said, how to empower each other to go out and do these things, how to advocate for yourself. And you can ask that person, you know, um, I listened to a podcast recently talking about how to negotiate your salary and, I learned so much from that. Not that I have a job where I need to show up and like negotiate for my salary, but just the idea of learning how to advocate for yourself in those types of settings, I learned so much. And so finding finding groups like that, finding um, podcasts or um, networking groups or business groups or whatever it is where other people are doing the same thing, where you don't feel like, I feel like I'm just trying to fit in not like I actually belong, that's what you're really looking for.
1: Well, it's a total mindset, right? It's a mindset shift in making the decision. And, and that's where, again, you have to have that self-trust that I'm making the decision that I need to be surrounded by people like this. Mm-hmm. So therefore, when people who are not like that, you choose not to make them part of your social circle. Mm-hmm. Like even when I joined, I had joined a mom's walking group um, while I was on maternity leave um, with Logan. And I... Met one woman who I kind of just could tell off the bat that she was very similar to me, and we just kind of started chatting. Of course, because I was late and I was at the back of the line, because that's just standard. Sam is always at least ten minutes late. Um, my friends listening can vouch for that; they'll probably be like, "It's more like a half hour." <laughs> well, whatever, guys. Ten minutes. I don't do well with time management. Anyway, it worked out for me because it was I was at the end of the line. I met this girl, Alyssa. We started talking. We turned out to be very similar. And we connected. And so sometimes it's just trial and error of like finding your people and then capitalizing on it and knowing that that these are people that I need to be surrounded by. And I think that when you, again, you make that decision that that's important to you, you no longer settle for anything that doesn't fit into that category. And that's for anything. That's not mm-hmm. even just for this, but that's a self-trust. So being your best advocate really boils down to how much do you trust yourself?
0: Yeah, that is so good. How much do you trust yourself that this is what you need? I know for me, while you were talking about that and like going out and finding new people, I know that there was a period of time where I really felt lonely in this of like, I know that there are certain people out there that I need to find who are, they don't even necessarily need to be similar to me, but they need to, There's just a certain level of authenticity and vulnerability and advocating for themselves and empowering each other that I was looking for. And I was feeling like I couldn't find those people very well. And I felt really lonely and like I must be asking for, I must be asking for too much. I had no, I wasn't trusting myself that I knew what I needed and that those people were out there. And then, They just started showing up the more that I continue to just walk in this path of this is who I am and this is what I'm looking for. And I might not be for everybody and I might not be for a lot of people, but I know that there are people out there like me, like you, Sam, um, where we just really connect so well and there's nothing wrong with me for wanting that. And I just I think that sometimes it can feel that in between of like, I really need to find my people my people it can be really hard and it can send up a lot of doubt in yourself as a person that like maybe maybe there is something wrong with me and i
1: think that's even you know as part of this but i think that's an even larger conversation about finding your people right and like feeling mm-hmm. a sense of connection and like who you're meant to be with and um there's nothing wrong with you for wanting more and i mm-hmm. think you know that was the lesson that really I learned that kind of jump-started this self-growth process for me was there's nothing wrong with wanting more. Mm. And that's a whole other layer to being a woman, right? That we're not supposed to want more. We're supposed to be happy with what we're given. Um, Meanwhile, I want to take, 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 take because I deserve to take up space. Mm -hmm. And that's another socialized concept here. So I mean, you and I could go on for this, on, on this topic for days, because it's, it's hard being a woman, but I will also say as to wrap this up, the algorithms do a lot of the work for you also. So if you you start following some people that you are inspired by on Instagram and social media, or even podcasts, you will start to get other recommendations for people like them. And you can vet them and say, this works for me. This doesn't this, you know, that's how I will, you know, I, I do think that Stepping into beauty counter did give us a lot of exposure to a Mm -hmm. lot more, um, a lot more people in the, in the area of personal and professional growth and Mm -hmm. development and honestly expanded my network. And so like, and I don't talk about this as much as the business. And I promise this is not just a plug on beauty counter, but (laughs) what this opportunity really did for me. And I think one of the reasons I still love it so much is because it's like, I get by default a network of women who also want to grow as much as i do. Yeah. And so that's how i that's why i i'm a part of this and have yeah. such a passion for it.
0: Yeah. I i agree with you 100%. I like yes becoming a mom really, you know, jump started my work as being an advocate for myself, but when i decided to say yes to doing this business like That really catapulted me into major growth and um, Mm -hmm. that I just never would have experienced had I not decided to do this, partially because of the community that I was a part of, because everybody else who was successful, that was what they were doing too, is that they were learning mindset shifts and personal growth and growth mindset and all sorts of things that I just never would have been exposed to.
1: Yep. And I think that's why you have to be very careful about the people that you select to be a part of your circle. Mm-hmm. because it, in all honesty, this podcast would not have happened, you know, and yeah. not so much even just from a meeting Alexis perspective, but even the confidence that I had in myself to be able to do this. Yeah. So, yeah, but I digress because all right. we can
0: go on. we can go on. I think that pretty much wraps it up for today. So we will talk next time. All right. Thanks everybody. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today. Just as a reminder, this podcast is not intended to replace professional medical advice or mental health services. If you are in a mental health crisis, please call the Suicide and Crisis Hotline at 988 or 911.
1: Did today's episode of Perspectively Yours hit the spot? It would mean the world to us if you'd show us some love with these three effortless ways to help your fave podcast thrive. First up, the most important, never miss an episode by following or subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Just head over to our show page, tap the plus sign and select follow. Next, leave us a shiny five-star rating and review on your podcast platform. Your feedback helps us make each episode better and better. Last but not least, share your favorite episode with a friend. The power of word of mouth is undeniable, and we would be over the moon if you spread the love about Perspectively Yours.
0: Before we let you go, here's a fun fact. We met through Beauty Counter, our favorite clean beauty brand, and are both brand advocates. If you've been looking for safer products that actually give you results, you can get 20% off your first purchase with the code CLEANFORALL20.
1: Don't forget to follow us each on Instagram at Ms. Samantha and Alexis.TheNourishedBeginnings. Send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Be sure to check out the show notes for any resources we mentioned.
0: Thank you for being here. We are grateful for your support and love.